Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Grace City Church podcast. If you would like more info on our church, you can visit gracecityboston.com. Now let's get to the sermon. It's called I Am. And so we've looked at all kinds of various things, this kind of identity question. So as God's people, those people living in the way of Jesus, um, we have various kind of statements or identities that we can make about ourselves. And so we said, I am created. I'm a child of God. Last week we looked at I am an alien or essentially I'm a resident alien. So what does that mean? So this morning I want to look at um, basically the statement, I am new. I'm new. I'm not what I used to be. So in Christ, I'm not what I used to be. Okay, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 17 through, th- I'll read it for a bit, 17 through 32, and then we'll, we'll talk and chat for a little bit inside of that. So, so here we go. It says, therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, he's talking to former Gentiles. So Gentiles, this was uh, what they would call people that weren't a part of the people of God. And so when you begin to walk in the way of Jesus, when you identified yourself with the community of Jesus followers and became essentially a Christian, right? They weren't uh, weren't calling themselves uh, Christian. I mean, it was getting there, but it wasn't quite there yet. And so as they were progressing and committing themselves to the way of Jesus, they would no longer be considered um, Gentiles. That was not their primary identity. And so he says, "Um, therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. No longer walk in your former life. And he goes on, he says, in the futility of their thoughts, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. And they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So a need for more and more. Verse 20, but that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. He goes on in 22, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by, how is it corrupted? By deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness, in purity, and in truth. And then in verse 25 through 32, he's basically just gonna rail off some things not to do and some ways not to live. Therefore, so he says, therefore, since you are a new creation, you are not as you used to be. Look what he says, therefore, Putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work with his own hands. So he has something to share with anyone in need. Verse 29, no foul language should come from your mouth, but what is only good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Verse 30, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be removed from you among, uh, among with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ has forgiven you. Okay, so here's what he says. He says, you were in your former life, you were alienated from God. You were far from him. Now, we, we talked about this in week one, right? No one is created as a child of God. Like, we're created as, as beings made by Him. We're created as, beings, as, as like beings made by Him, but we are not 
uh, by default a child of God, are we? No, there, there's a period in which there's a transition from, from being created by God to being a child of God. And so uh, Paul here, who's writing this letter to the church at Ephesus says that your former life, you walked as the Gentiles do. That's what you did in the futility and the meaninglessness um, of their mind. And so he says, what that has done is it's alienated you from the life of God. You, ca you can't know him. You, you can't be in relationship with him. This is your, this is where you are at without Christ. This is your current um, position before Christ, right? Because the, the thing that um, sometimes we can tend to think about is Christianity is about morality, right? That God just wants you to be a better person, a good person, a nice person, someone who doesn't cheat on his taxes or his wife or his her husband, right? I mean, this is, we, we tend to think about Christianity as morality in the sense, but here's the one thing that we always see the New Testament writers do. They always do this because it's important. And this, this is important for us to grasp this morning. Before Paul, ever gets to how you are to live, he goes to what? This is who you are. See, he doesn't jump to morality. He doesn't say, hey, live this way. Don't lie. Don't steal. You know, be, be someone who is pursuing the way of Jesus. Be honest and kind. He doesn't jump straight to behavior. He does what? He says, this is who you are. Because there's, there's no possible way for us to be simply moral people, good people. I mean, we can make it do it for a, a, a little bit, but there's no possible way that we would be able to do that if we don't first understand who we are. And see, the Christian, um, the, the Christian walk, like being a Christian is not about being something as much, uh, or the Christian walk is more about being something than it is about doing something. It's, it's more about becoming someone who looks like Jesus more than it is about doing the things that Jesus did. Now it's nuanced. That's very nuanced. It's about becoming like Jesus, not doing the things that Jesus did. It's primarily about becoming. And, and so this is, what, this is what Paul does in this, this particular text, right? I mean, um, he, he says to them, um, he says in verse 20, he says, but that is, that is not how you came to know Christ. He, he identifies and says, they're living in the futility of their, their minds, but that's not how you came to know Christ. Don't, don't pursue your former and old life. Uh, he does the same thing in Colossians 3, uh, 1 and 4. It's in your notes. You don't have to turn there, but Colossians 3, 1 and 4, um, he, this is how he starts the letter to the church at Colossae. He says, so if you've been raised with Christ, Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So he doesn't say, um, he doesn't simply just say, hey, seek the things above where Christ is seated. That's not what he says. What does he say? He says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. So he's rooting their identity in being a, a person of Jesus, being someone living the way of Jesus. He continues on in Colossians. He says, set your, your mind on things above. We'll come back to that in a bit later on in this because he does something very similar here. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So he says, your life is actually hidden with Christ. And when Christ appears, you will be in appearance with him. Not your old life. When, when, when Christ appears, he's talking salvation here. He's saying, you're hidden with him. God will not see you 
in your former life, in your life seeking to, uh, seeking to, to work your way to God by your works, by your behavior. It's like, that's like, that won't work. If you're in Christ, he says, you'll be seen in Christ. This he said, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. He, he does something in Colossians 3 that's very similar. He does this put off, kind of put on language. And before he ever gets to it, he says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Again, identifying, identifying who they are before he ever gets to how they are to live. And so this is what he, this is essentially what he says here is it's about becoming something. It's not primarily about doing something. Okay, now look how he identifies uh, in, in Ephesians um, here, look how he identifies sin, how he thinks about sin here. He essentially uh, says this, because this is fascinating. Um, this is fascinating what he does here. He essentially says, and I think the Bible does this, but the, the Bible essentially recognizes sin as not simply a behavioral issue, but, but really a mind issue. So it's not that sin is primarily your behavior is wrong. It's not, it's not the, the, the focus is just your behavior, what the Bible would say is that sin starts where? It starts in the mind. It starts up here. It, it starts in the way that you think. Right? I mean, think about a, a, a time in which you've, you've sinned before. Which we could probably all agree we've been in that space before. It starts where? It starts here with a thought, with a desire. What Paul would say is a, is a deceitful desire or a disordered desire. Not even necessarily a bad thing. The desire is not even a, a bad desire, but it's a what? It's a disordered desire. It's deceitful. And so the, the Bible says your, the role that your mind plays in your life and living in the way of Jesus is crucial. It, it's, a, it's a malfunction of the mind, essentially. This is what sin is. Well, how do we know that? Well, look what he, look what he says, um, verse 17. He says, therefore, I say this and testify to the Lord that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And then what does he say about them? He says, in the futility of their what? Of their thoughts, of their mind. He continues on in verse 18. He says, they are darkened in what? In their understanding. Verse 22, he says, take off the former way of life and the old self that is what? Corrupted by deceitful desires. And then in verse 23, so here's the key for us. For people living, if we're people living in the way of Jesus, we're made new people. Look what he says in verse 23. He says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Now, what does it mean to be renewed in the spirit of your minds? Or what does it mean to be made new in the spirit um, of your mind? Well, here's, the, here's what I would propose this morning. The Christian life is what? The Christian life is a life lived that's an, an examined life. It's a thoughtful life. The, the Christian life is an examined life. It's a life in which you are constantly considering how you live, you're constantly considering the implications of that. You're, you're, you're uh, essentially, you're, you're thinking through uh, how you think and, and what you expose yourself to. 
I mean, this is what it means to be, this is what it means to be renewed um, in, the, in the spirit of your minds. He's saying, he's saying like, be it, have an examined life, a thoughtful life. First Peter 1 Peter 1.13, listen to what Peter says. Therefore, this is the role of the mind. He says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded. How many people have been around someone who's not sober? Right? Maybe it's yourself, you know? Is a non-sober person, is that someone you want driving you? you know, or making life decisions for you? No, it's not. I mean, someone who's unsober-minded, like that's not who you want in the moment giving you life decisions. And so Peter says, Peter says to have your minds ready for action, to, to be sober-minded. Now he, he moves on in that and says, set your hope completely on the grace to be uh, brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, some translations say this. I actually like this translation better. Peter says, this is like uh, King James. So maybe you grew up with the King James. Um, this is what he says. First Peter 1 Peter 1.13 says, gird up your loins of the mind with truth. So he says, gird up your loins. Now, um, uh, this, we don't roll that way, but back in the day, they, uh, the, they would, if you they had like, they wore, wore like long robes. And, and so, you know, that was just kind of the style right, that they had. And so what did it mean to gird up your loins? It means that you, you took a rope, you kind of pulled up your, your robe. Uh, that meant like you were ready. You were ready to run. You were ready to fight. You were ready to go. Like you took appropriate action in that moment to be ready to do what you needed to do, right? You couldn't be running with a robe on. You got to pull that thing up, tie, like you got to gird the loins of your robe so that you are ready to go. And Peter says, Prepare yourself, gird your loins. I um, how many people have watched The Social Dilemma? You seen that already? It's on Netflix. Um, it's an interesting time that we live in. And and I think as I was thinking about this and thinking about the the, the Christian life, the way of Jesus, just discipline in general. Um, we live in a day. I, I think we live in a day and age where we have to be the most as Christians, we have to be the most um, examined people that we can be. And we have to be the most thoughtful people that we, we can be. But, like if you, if you haven't seen the, the Social Dilemma, right, just a fascinating look at the role of, of technology and, and social media and, and kind of the role that it plays and, and, and essentially how it kind of manipulates us. And you know what I mean? Like it just kind of but Mark Zuckerberg has come out and said it's not true, so I, I trust him. So anyways, um, but, but it's essentially this role in saying that, that like we are a people that are easily manipulated by the technology that is so prevalent in the day that we live, that we can be manipulated. That's essentially what, it, what it's saying. And so the, the, the Christian life is an examined one. It, it's a one that considers what we expose ourselves to, what we think about, how, how we read, how we've, or what we read, how we've organized our life. What, th this is what it means to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It, it means removing, I've been having um, great conversations with friends about just the necessity to remove things from my life. That not even bad things, just things that increase my anxiety, that, in, that increase, that, that get me distracted. I mean, I've even had to take my phone and just 
to almost eliminate everything on the home screen of my phone. Because I'm like, I, my, I just, I need to, I need to have a, a mind that is focused and it's examined and thoughtful. I need to, like, we just, even our family is just, we've done all kinds of things. Like, we, ha- we don't have phones in our bedroom anymore. We've, like, removed every, like, I have rules in terms of, like, I don't, I don't check my, uh, I don't check my email before uh, 9, 9 a.m. And I don't check any social media before 10 a.m. Most of the time, sometimes, sometimes, because I'm sinful. I fail, you know? But it's just like, I just know that I have to set some of these parameters in my life or I'll wake up with an anxious spirit. Last thing I need to do to prepare my mind for the day, to live in the, the way of Jesus, is to let someone else set the course for my day. And that's what all of those things do. They set the course for your day. You're not setting the course, they're setting the course for the day. When you get up and check that, when you look at it, check your email, social media, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, is it TikTok? Is that, yeah, TikTok. Uh, all of these things, TikTok, I don't know. All right, so, very culturally savvy. Um, all those things are doing what? They're setting the day, they're setting your mind. And so he says, live a life that is a life that's um, examined. It, it essentially becomes a choice of the mind. Okay, let's move on here. I'm gonna move a little bit faster. Here's what he says here, and, and uh, essentially, um, I really love this. So we're not only, we, when we talk about, last week we talked about we're given a new status. So as a follower of Christ, it's a, a moment where we're given a new status. So when you confess Christ, right, as Savior and Lord, in that moment, you're, you're given um, a new status, right, or, or you're given a new position. And so what we see in this text is we're not only given a new position, but we're also called to have a new perspective on life. So we are positionally, because of Jesus, in right standing with God, the Father. Like glory, hallelujah. Like that's a great thing. Like we could, I could just say that, we could end this thing and it'd be a great day. And that's good news. That we have a right standing with God. We have a right position with God because of the life of Jesus, the life and death of Jesus and resurrection. But we also, we also have a new perspective. So think about this. Okay, so before Christ, we do what? We live according to the culture. We live according to uh, how we've always done things. Maybe it's your family, um, m- maybe it's the various kind of factors, maybe it's your education, whatever. You, you live and we live and I live in a certain way determined, uh, this is like pre-Christ, this is, this is how we're, we're, we're sought to live. Like this is, we live this way according um, to culture. So this is how my peers act, this is how college students act, this is what my peers value, my coworkers value, this is what I value. Um, This is essentially before Christ. Well, after Christ, after Christ, what are the type of questions that we have to be asking? We're thinking about living. We ask what type of of questions do we ask? We ask this. Does this please God? Will this please God? Does this action please God? Does this thought please God? Does it please God? Is this, another question, is this in accordance with kingdom values? Does it please God? And is it in accordance with kingdom values? So the, the way that, that I'm living, what I'm doing, how I'm thinking, this is how we, we have a new perspective now. We have to, we have to ask ourselves some, some really kind of driving questions as we live. This is why it's a thoughtful life. 
Because we can't just float on by as we've always normally done. We can't just go with who we're hanging with and, and kind of like this is, this is essentially what we have to do. We have to go, okay, does this reflect the kingdom of God and what he values? Or am I, am I looking like the way that I've always looked? Okay, let me, let me bring it on a ground level. This, is, this conversation right now is probably about to get me in trouble. But I'm going to go ahead and step into it because it feels like a necessary thing for me to step into. And so I just want to give, I just want to give us a really just practical kind of laid out example this morning about as people living in the way of Jesus, why we need a new, uh, why we're essentially called to a new perspective. So I want to talk about um, uh, the liberal mindset and the conservative mindset. The liberal mindset and the conservative mindset. I want to make sure that I preference that. You're like, oh yeah, I can, I can hear it. All right, so let the, the tip, let me just give you just kind of a, a flyover view. Don't send me an email, right? We can talk about it. Like, don't give me the nuanced view of, you know, liberal mindset, conservative mindset, right? And just listen. Like, there's a fly review of this. Typical liberal mindset, as we think about culturally liberal, they would say what? They would say, um, I have to be accountable for the way that I spend my money. Like, if you were going to kind of sum it up, they would say, hey, we need to take care of the less fortunate, right? We need to we, these are like the kind of the liberal mindset is more of like, hey, we need to take care of the marginalized, the, 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 the poor. Like I need to be willing to share what I have in order to benefit others. It's just kind of a flyover view, right, of the typical kind of a liberal mindset. However, however, you cannot tell me what to do with my body. You, you can't tell me who to love. Like you can, you can legislate my money, but you cannot legislate morality. And, and right, I mean, what, what I can do with my body. So like socially, right, I need to be politically correct. I need to be unbiased. I need to be multicultural, right? So if we're, if we're talking about distribution of wealth and treatment of, of all races, like that's all good. I wanna be about that. But, but my, private, my private life, don't touch it. Can't touch it. Okay, liberal mindset, we're all okay? We're all, we all feel okay? A conservative mindset is what? It's flip-flopped. Con- conservative is what? Um, it, it essentially says, hey, when it comes to my personal life, sexuality, married life, we, we got to go with traditional values, right? We want to legislate personal morality. But it come, when it comes to what we do with our money, right, whether we should care for the poor, um, whether what, like all those types of things, like nobody essentially can tell me what to do with my money. Can't do it. Legalize morality. Don't tell me what to do with my money. Now think about that for a second. It's just a flyover view, right? Just kind of the traditional mindset. Jesus has called us and given us a, a new position. And with that new position, he's called us into a new perspective. And, and he's essentially said what? Because all of these things on both sides of that, on both sides of that, what, what's underneath all of that? Underneath it all is what? A, a sense of American individualism. It's a, you don't tell me what to do with the things that I value. 
This particular thing I value more than this. This particular thing I value more than this. As people living in the way of Jesus in the time that we're in, which is politically, I don't know if you know, is complex. And it's like heightened, a huge heightenedness. I, I think Jesus has called us as his people to be able to, to, be able to step out of all of that and, and to be able to look. I'm not saying it's wrong to be involved on, in either, either one of those realms and, and, and doing what, like, I think there's, there's obviously parts we, that are good from both. Like we should care for the poor and marginalized. We should be willing to do what's necessary to, to care for them, right? We should pursue a sexual ethic that is biblical and honoring to God. Like those are all good things. But man, we, we got to get to a place on the college campus, at our works, in coffee shops, wherever we find ourselves. Man, we got to get to a place as followers of Jesus who can navigate in that space and, and not over-identify not over-identify in an area that, that is potentially going to harm us. And, and be able to say, well, you know, I know we live in a complex day. This is what Jesus has called me to do. He's given me a new perspective. And so the questions I ask is, will this honor God? And is this in line with kingdom values? And that's what drives me. So he's moving us. He's moving us up into... Um, into this place. Okay, final thought here on that. Final thought. Um, looking back at um, the scripture here, w- one of the things I want to mention, and uh, I'll end here with this thought. Um, so if you're, if you're looking back at Ephesians chapter 4 here, um, he, he says, he's using this put off, um, put on uh, language. And so he starts using this in verse 22. He says to, to take off the former way of life and the old self that is corrupted. And in verse 24, he says, and to put on the new self. To take off and to put on the new self. Now, in the Greek language, this is something called the aorist tense. So the, the tense of this is the aorist tense. This is not, uh, we don't have this in English. Uh, we, it, it's, it's not something that we... Um, the way that they think about it, and it's not an intense that, that we have a tendency to, to think about it. So when he's using this language, put off, put on, it's in the aorist tense. Now, what does it mean to be in the aorist tense? Well, uh, this was a, a type of verb. If it was in the aorist tense, it was, in the, it was a, um, a thing that has already happened. It was a decision that was already made. That's, that's the aorist tense. This is already completed. So here's what he's saying here. And I, I think this can apply to three different types of people that are here. What Paul is doing is he's reminding them of the decision that they've made. He's saying, you're new in Christ. Now I'm reminding you of, of how you've said that you are going to live. This is why he uses the aorist tense. Uh, I, I became a Christian when I was 15. So I was 15 years old and, um, and like realized that had sin had separated me from God and, and saw the beauty of Jesus, the, the goodness of Jesus, his faithfulness and, and my unfaithfulness. And when I was 15, I trusted Christ. And, and it changed me. It did. It, it changed 
and the way that I lived and, and the way that I thought. And I, I went on, and I, I see this a lot. Came to know Christ when I was 15, going into my senior year of high school, uh, freshman, sophomore, and junior year, I just still acted like a, you know, sarcastic, just, uh, you know, not a, not, a, not a great in a lot of ways. Was still doing some really foolish things, was still, you know, um, pursuing a, a, uh, a, a status within my school that, that I wanted to be. And going into my senior year of high school, something, something happened. And I had a moment where, where through the Holy Spirit, God had approached me. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the commitment that I made when I came to know Christ. And it essentially was saying to me, hey, I need you to put off the old life. And I need you to put on the new life. And so I, I can distinctly remember that summer thinking, I cannot continue to live the way that I've lived. If I'm saying I'm a follower of Christ, like really, essentially what God said to me was like, listen, either live for Christ, live the way of Jesus, or stop saying that you're a Christian. This is what he said to me. This is clearly, I remember it. And I remember going into my senior year with, with, a, with a different uh, with a different perspective, with a different thought, and, and stepping into it thinking, you know what, I'm not just going to say I'm going to like a Christian, I'm actually going to live and act as a Christian. So here's what I see happen uh, a lot of times with people. I, th I think people come to know Christ, they become a Christian, but, but I think that people forget that they've been called to put off and put on. And I hear story after story of people who can actually identify like two moments in their life. They can remember a salvation moment where they came to know Christ, which is hugely important. And then they can remember a moment, not an exact date, but they can remember a moment where they said, yep, that's the moment I committed to living in the way of Jesus. I actually committed to the way of Jesus. I think that's your aorist moment. I think that's the, that's the reminder moment. That's the, okay, I'm going to live differently. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've been made new. You're a new creation. Through Christ, you're a new creation. But maybe, maybe you haven't been living, you haven't been putting off and putting on. You, you could read through that list in 25 through 32 and you're like, gosh, man, I don't, I don't do that. And so maybe this morning, maybe this morning you're like, I need to, I need to have some real conversations with God today. Like I need, to, I need to examine my life and how I've lived and, and am I lining up with, with the way of Jesus, the, the, the person I've committed my life to? Maybe that's where you're at this morning. And that's who you are. Or, or maybe you're here and you're like, I, I haven't been made new. I, my, I'm still, in a sense, walking in the futility of, of my mind. What I, the way I'm living seems meaningless. It's not working. I'm not getting anywhere. It's like I'm in a continual cycle. Maybe this morning you need to to be made new. That's not a work that you can do. It's a trusting Jesus. It's about becoming someone, not about doing something. So maybe that's where you're at this morning. I'm just gonna give you a moment to just kind of sit. I'm gonna pray for you. So everyone, you can close your eyes, give yourself a moment to just sit.
just think for a second. I'll just give you some space to talk to God this morning.